The gospel lesson comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. And please stand again as you're able for the reading of the gospel. You can find this on page 740 of the Pew Bible. From Luke 15, beginning at verse 1, we read in Jesus' name. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, that is to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine heaven and earth. And this is not how heaven and earth really are. But I think this might help us to understand just a little bit what Jesus is talking about in these two parables. Imagine heaven and earth as a massive stadium. The seating all around the field, that's heaven. And the seats are packed with angels. It's a sellout crowd of celestial angels for this. And the field is earth. And on the field, which is earth, Jesus is playing hide and seek. Now, Jesus is always the seeker. He never hides from us because he does not want to be distant from us. And we are never the seekers. No one seeks for God. The Bible is quite clear about that. We never seek for God. We might think that we do, but it is never really the true God that we seek for. We often seek for false gods. That is our sinful nature. But before Jesus comes and saves us and converts us, we never seek for the true God. Oftentimes, as we think that we're seeking for God, we're actually seeking after false gods, and that's how we get lost. And so in this game of hide-and-seek, Jesus is always the seeker, and we are always the hiders. And we win, not when we successfully hide from Jesus, but when we fail and we are found by him who succeeds in finding us. Because when Jesus wins, that's when we win. So it's not really so much of a game as it is a rescue operation. The angels are the fans in the stands, and they shout for joy every time Jesus finds a lost sinner. 
Now, this isn't like an ordinary game where you win by just getting the most points. And so the angels, they do not cheer as if, as if each lost sinner is just one more point on the way to Jesus' victory. No, it's much greater than that. The angels shout for joy. The crowd goes wild because every lost sinner Jesus finds is a victory. And it's not a small victory either, but every lost sinner Jesus finds is a major victory. And the angels rejoice. Notice what Jesus says in this passage. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And again, he says, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. That is, the angels rejoice every time Jesus wins hide-and-seek. Jesus, of course, rejoices too. This is his great joy. He's the one who invites the angels to rejoice with him when he finds a lost sinner. This is the joy of heaven. Every lost sinner who is found by Jesus causes all of heaven to rejoice. Now, we rejoice too when we find things that are lost. I mean, nobody ever rejoices when their car keys are exactly where they remember leaving them. But when they're lost and then you find them, you rejoice, especially if you have to look hard. Or have you ever lost something for so long that you just have given up and you think that it's gone forever? I had a set of hex key sockets that I lost about a year ago, and eventually I came to accept that they were just gone. Maybe someone borrowed them and didn't give them back. Maybe I accidentally threw them away. But then I found them, where in one of the several logical places for them to be. I was quite happy. It was like getting a free socket set. I did not, however, throw a party. In fact, before today, I never even told anyone about it. That would have been kind of weird, right? But that's one of the weird things about these parables. And the, the key to Jesus' parables, they often have to do with that something that we notice that is just kind of off, kind of weird. And this is one of those things. So think about this. If a shepherd finds a lost sheep, does he really throw a party? I mean, you think about this. He's out in the field when he loses it. And then he goes to look for it somewhere. Back at town, nobody even knows that the thing is lost until he comes home carrying this sheep that nobody knew was lost and says, let's have a party. <laughs> That's kind of weird. I, I don't know any shepherds, I don't think, but I have known a few cattle ranchers, and you probably have too. And every so often, you hear about somebody's cows getting out, right? But I have never heard of a rancher throwing an I-got-my-cows-back party. It would be even weirder to do it for just one cow. And I've never heard of a woman throwing an I found my lost coin party. I had an experience, something like this. I lost my paycheck one time. <laughs> I was at work, and this was in the days before direct deposit, so my paycheck was an actual check, and I needed it. It was during those poor college years, and uh, I worked in a warehouse, and it just fell out of my pocket. Maybe, it might have been lifted. <laughs> I looked all over the place and I couldn't find it. And one of my coworkers kept quoting this verse from Colossians to me. Set your mind on things above. And that verse means, don't be so concerned about earthly things. And I said to my coworker, 
I know, but I still need my paycheck. <laughs> but he kept saying over and over again, set your mind on things above. And eventually, I gave up, and I said to him, all right, I, I got to go talk to HR about this. Maybe they can fix it. And that's when my coworker stopped me and confessed that he had picked it up and hung it from the ceiling. <laughs> that's why he kept saying, set your mind on things above. <laughs> now, I was happy to get my paycheck back, but I did not throw a party. If anything, I kind of wanted to punch the guy. Here, here's the point. We're happy when we find something that was lost. We might even rejoice a little bit, but we don't throw parties for it. But in both of these parables, Jesus, Jesus talks as if it's just a given that the shepherd is going to throw a party or that the woman is going to throw a party for her lost coin. For Jesus, this is a given. It's just obvious to him. But to us in our world, it's not a given. If someone throws a party for a lost sheep, you'd say, what's the big deal? You have 99 other sheep. And if a woman threw a party for a lost coin, we'd say, so what? You still had nine other coins. And how much did this party cost you anyways? Does the lost coin even cover that? But Jesus talks as if everyone in their right mind would throw a party for this. And that's because Jesus does. Not for sheep or coins, but for every lost sinner who repents. And he does it, as we see in this passage, he does it for people that we might not think much of. We might just say that the drunk in the park or the girl on the corner got religion, and we might even cynically wonder how long it's going to last. But Jesus rejoices, and he invites all of heaven to rejoice with him. Earth shrugs while heaven parties. The key word in both of these parables is repentance. And so what is repentance? The Bible talks about the necessity of repentance. All throughout the scriptures, repentance is linked to eternal life. Without repentance, sinners like you and me will perish for all eternity. So what is repentance? And I'm going to guess that when we hear the word repentance, we usually think of it as meaning that we turn away from sin. If I'm doing something bad, I stop doing the bad thing, and I turn away from it, and I don't do it anymore. That's not really the way the Bible uses the word repentance, and this passage really corrects that misunderstanding. So think about this with me. If that's what repentance means, well, then salvation would depend on our own efforts of turning away from sin and doing what's right. And that, quite simply, is salvation by works. Our eternal salvation would depend on our own efforts. But the Bible clearly teaches that by grace you have been saved. And this is not your own doing, but it is the gift of God. If repentance were us turning away from sin and doing good works, we would all fail to do that, and we would spend eternity in hell. And so what is repentance? Now, we can say that repentance is a a turning, and we can even say that it's a turning away from sin, but it isn't really turning away from sin to good works. It's something different. Now, now don't get me wrong, repentance leads to good works, and we'll talk about that some other time, but quitting sin and doing good works, that is not repentance. Repentance is something else. Repentance, if we call it a turning, we can say this. We can say that it's turning away from sin and unbelief to faith. In Jesus Christ. And so here's the ironic thing about that false definition of repentance. 
it's actually unbelief. If we think that repentance just means quitting our sin and doing what's right, who are we really trusting? We're, well, we're trusting ourselves and we're trusting our own righteousness. We're trusting that we're able to turn away from that. And if we're trusting in our own righteousness, you know what we're not trusting in? Jesus. And if we're not trusting in Jesus, then we're still unbelievers. That's not repentance at all. This false kind of repentance is really just another form of unbelief. And these parables that teaches that, that Jesus teaches here, they correct that false definition. Now, this can be kind of offensive to churchy people like you and me. And it was just like it was offensive to the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Jesus' time. We look at people who are obviously sinful, and, and we think that person needs to repent. And what do we mean by that? We probably mean that that person, they need to get their act together. They need to quit sleeping around. They need to quit using foul language. They need to be, well, more like us, right? That is not repentance. And this is crucial for us to understand because we have this temptation to be closed toward people who need repentance. But Jesus is the exact opposite. Instead of being closed to sinners, Jesus is chasing them down. And that really is repentance. Repentance is Jesus searching for and finding lost sinners. And so we notice how this text starts. It starts with tax collectors and sinners drawing near to Jesus. And Jesus welcomed them. The Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled when they saw this. They couldn't believe it. They thought to themselves, come on, Jesus, what are you doing? These people need to repent. Don't you know that? And of course, Jesus did know that. Jesus knew that these were bad people. Everybody knew it. They knew it too. And so Jesus knew that they needed to repent, and that is exactly why he welcomed them. Both Jesus and the Pharisees agreed that these bad people needed to repent, but they had different definitions of repentance. And that's the key difference. And so Jesus told these parables to teach repentance. In the first parable, Jesus is the good shepherd who goes looking for that one lost sheep. And when he finds it, he picks it up and carries it home. He doesn't even lead the sheep home. He carries it. Now, sheep, I've been told, when they're lost, they hunker down and they get so scared that they can't even walk. And so the shepherd has to carry it all the way home. It's a heavy burden and it might be a long walk. Notice the shepherd's emotion in doing this. The shepherd rejoices to do this. And this, of course, dear lost sheep, is a picture of your Jesus. And this is especially a picture of the cross where Jesus joyfully bore the burden of our sin. We are the lost sheep and Jesus is the good shepherd who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Joy. Repentance is the key teaching of this parable. And so pay attention to this part. Jesus compares a sinner who repents to a sheep who gets lost and found. That's how Jesus defines repentance. And so look back at that parable again. What did the lost sheep do? What was the lost sheep's contribution in its repentance? All the lost sheep did was get lost who discovered that it was missing. The shepherd did. 
And who found him? Did the sheep find his own way back home? No, the shepherd found the sheep. And what happened when the shepherd found the sheep? Did the sheep follow him? No, the shepherd picked up this lost and frightened and helpless sheep and carried it home. The repentance of the sheep was all 100% the work of the shepherd. And the same thing happens in the parable of the lost coin. It's not like this lost coin just decided to pop out of the crack in the floor and polish itself off so the woman would notice it. It's not like the woman said, oh, good for you, lost coin. You found your way back to the other nine. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. The coin gets found. And that is repentance. The shepherd throws a party because he found the sheep. The woman throws a party because she found the coin. And so when a sinner repents, heaven rejoices over what Jesus did, while lost sinners, you and me, get the credit for it. And that is salvation. Lost sinners getting the credit for what Jesus did. And that is repentance. Jesus defines repentance as him finding you. The only part we play in our repentance is getting lost. The finding part is all Jesus. The only thing that we contribute to our repentance, and this might sound crazy to you, but it's true, the only thing that we contribute to it is our sin, and that's not the good part. Repentance is a matter of you being lost, Jesus finding you in your lost condition, and Jesus bearing the burden of sin on the cross joyfully, because that is how he rescues his lost sheep. And so when it comes to those tax collectors and sinners, Jesus agreed with the Pharisees and scribes. They all agreed that these awful people needed repentance, but they disagreed completely on what repentance is. The Pharisees and scribes thought it meant turning away from sin and doing good things instead. Straighten up. Do what you're supposed to. Be more like me. Get yourself right with God. But how do I do that? This is an easy thing for a hypocrite to say because a hypocrite really does think that he's gotten himself right with God. But this is a hard thing for a sinner to hear because the sinner has better theology than the hypocrite. The sinner knows who he is and the sinner knows that he can't get himself right with God. He's probably tried before and failed. The hypocrite has also tried to get himself right with God, and he, like the sinner, has also failed. But the difference is the hypocrite lied to himself and told himself that he did get right with God when he didn't. And so this is repentance. Repentance is not your own doing. You can't get yourself found. This has to be the work of Jesus. And this is the work of Jesus, and this is good. And so whether it's the Pharisees and scribes or the tax collectors and sinners or whatever sinners you and I don't really want to be friends with, or you and me, repentance is the work of Jesus. And this is good because this is the only way repentance will ever happen. It is Jesus, your good shepherd, who searches for his dear sheep, finds us lost in our sin, and bears the burden of sin on the cross with joy, so that he might carry us home to live with him in his kingdom forever. That is repentance. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, 
and all of heaven rejoices. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.